podcast from prodigal souls i'm your host ford and i'm here with your other host john it's going to be our last in-house podcast podcast face-to-face john is uh, moving to colorado but we're going to continue doing it through another medium Uh, today i kind of talked to john and um one topic i really wanted to talk about for this show is truth and how we should approach truth and understand truth as a person and as a follower follower of Christ. And uh, as usual, John has done a lot of research, and <laughs> it just looks like I've done a lot of research. <laughs> yes, he, I he has a, a dissertation little, over there. So, well, there's a story behind this. I yeah. actually uh, Ford had thrown it out there that he wanted to speak on truth. I don't know, was it a few weeks back? Yeah, and as I was packing. I came across a, um, used to host a Bible study, so one of the messages that I had given for the Bible study was laying there, and it was literally days after he told me he wanted to talk about truth, and I pick it up, and I look at it, and it's, uh, the the title of it is uh, Living, hold on, let me find it here, Living by the Truth. So nice. I'm like, oh, that's perfect, <laughs> like that's, that's God's Crazy. name, right? Yeah, it's good. So I did. I did do a little bit more. So you're gonna you read tell. it all. I've got a couple other what, pieces of paper. The rest of it's just you reading your. I'm inside. just gonna read my dissertation on the yeah. truth. Just kidding. No, I'm not. I'm gonna piece know, it together uh, with some other. Well, research. one verse that kind of sparked the whole thing for me was, um, John fourteen six, where it says Jesus answered, and uh, it's not in full context here, but. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And when I was, what really sparked it for me from that verse was where he says, I am the way. Like, he uses the to imply, like, I am the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Because there was all these other kind of movements going on at the same time. Pretty much everybody kind of had like a follow. Not I'm everybody, the but they had oh, like. I'm the Messiah. But there, yeah, there's other people claiming to be messiahs. There's, you know, think about that time he probably had like Socrates and Aristotle. They had their followings as well, so they all had their truths that they were providing, and Jesus kind of stopped and clarified, like if. You know, if you're following me, like I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah, I, well, I two things I want to take away from that. One, that everybody was searching for truth back then. Right? Yeah, and we're still. all still searching for the truth. I mean, so I mean, we have it. In it's Christ. it's still something that we uh, that everybody asks that question. What is it? You know, they're all looking for the truth. They're all looking for their place in the world and and where they fit into it. And uh, so that's the first thing. Uh, and then the second thing was the connectivity that Jesus is drawing here between himself and the Father, uh, which is that he's essentially, he uses uh, the I am statement, <clears throat> which I want to yep. delve into that a little bit later. 
but he's using the I am statement. It was essentially true, true. connecting him with the father. Like they're saying that he is, he is the same as the father. He is one with the father. So to know him truly is to know the father. So it's pretty good way to segue into yeah. what it means I to be you, yeah, you up. a Christian, right? Cause so, so as Christians, we, we, uh, we have the truth, right? I mean, yeah. we follow this guy who claims to be the truth. So, you know, that we have our own sets of truth. But first, I want to just, I, I feel like I'll be maybe yell a little bit. I get excited. <laughs> I yell a little bit. Just a little bit. Uh, so I wanted to find the difference between objective truth and subjective truth, just to kind of yep. get a feel for it. It's a deep, a little deep dive. It is. It is a deep dive. Uh, so we have objective truth, which is defined as something, again, Wikipedia, I Wikipedia this stuff. Uh, something is objective when it is void of subjectivity, such as perception, emotions, or imagination. And then we've got subjective truth, which is truth based off of one's perspective, feelings, or opinions. Uh, true for the one making the judgment, but may not be true for others. <clears throat> So when we talk about having truth as Christians, you know, we're we're saying that like Christ is the objective truth. That this is void of how I feel or think about him. This is truly who he is. Uh that um and and even take it a step further, whether I believe in Jesus or not, that doesn't change the fact that he is the God man, right? That he is one with God. Uh that there is no other way to get to heaven other than accepting and diving deeper every day into understanding who he is. So that's, you know, um, I guess I go on and kind of have like a simple statement that I read Yo, to you earlier. Um, before that, okay. I was just kind of, while you were talking, I was thinking of like, because, you know, in today's society, we have a lot of like relative truth. Like uh, my truth isn't, necessarily your truth and where would a, a relative truth fall into It'd be su- those definitions sub- subjective so 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 if something's relative it doesn't mean that it's always true it just means that it's it's true from your perspective right yeah so it's it's based off of your perspective of the world so if if uh I'm trying to think of an example of of something that would be like relative truth um <clears throat> You came up with it. You define it. I don't know. I just want to. I hear relative truth. Um, in this specific context, you know, there's a lot the universalism, of universalism, where like they kind of have this umbrella where they accept all faiths, and it's well, what's ever relative to you, man. Like if you believe Jesus, then that's the truth. You know, yeah, but if like you believe in Buddha, all, then that's the truth. There's and, all different paths to heaven. Basically. Yeah, yeah. So it's just kind of relative to the individual. Which is yeah. honestly, to me, is kind of saying that none of them are true. <laughs> yeah, and when and I when I hear that it's up to me to define my truth, then that's kind of like not objective because yeah, because you're yeah, being yeah. biased. Like mm-hmm. you're defining what feels no, right to you. Mm-hmm. You definitely are to that. So, so here's the thing: is why just I'll make this real quick. So we talk about all the world religions, yeah. right? And the reason that they can't all be true is because they all make objective truth claims correct so like jesus christ is god and we claim that as to be an objective truth uh, and that there is no other god but yeah if you have islam they say that muhammad is the one true prophet and that 
he he was sent from God, right? So like you you can't have both, like because they both negate one another. They both say that the other is not true. So they're both making truth claims. So either one is right, yeah, or they're both wrong. So you can't have two that are right. And it's like with all world religions where they each have a truth claim to being the one pathway. Yeah. Well, everybody's kind of gotten into like religion or in the the meaning of religion now where it's more of just like a tradition mm-hmm. from your family and it's so it's like if you're if you're Jewish you're just celebrating that heritage and you're not necessarily having to live those but even so cult- like even heritage or culture so like if i am a christian because my father went to church and that was passed to me through like some sort of cult which by the way i just want to emphasize that like christianity has a very personal piece to it where like we have an yeah. individual relationship with god so i don't you know i believe that god personally interjected himself into my life but where i was going with that was like that doesn't mean that god wouldn't be real just because that's how i found out about him you know what yeah. i mean so like yes my father taught me the ways or taught me how to be a christian but at some point i had a personal encounter with god through christ yeah who 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 spoke to me and all of a sudden i'm like oh wow like this isn't just you know because for a while it was like I had an, I'll show this. So when I was in third grade, I had a just the sweetest teacher, right? And I went into class. I remember she was asking everybody what they did that weekend, and you know, a couple kids said we went to church, and one of them said, "Oh, did you know? Did you go to church?" And she said, "No." And and the kid goes, well, "Why not?" And she said, "Well, because some people believe in that, and some people don't, and I just I don't." And I remember being shocked because she was such a good, nice person. And it confused me because I was like, well, wait, she's good. She's nice. She's all the things that are being asked of me at church. So I really thought that being a Christian just meant being a good person until I was like 12 and I had a personal encounter with God. And he spoke into my life and he said, hey, um, like I'm I'm real and I love you. Right. And I love you because I, I made you and because I want to know you and I want you to know me. So it was this personal point in my life where all of a sudden, like, whoa, he's real to me because I had an encounter with him. Not because I was a good person or a nice person, but because I had a personal encounter with God. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's kind of what's lost on, especially when people outside of Christianity are just claiming it to be like another religion that would be kind of created a new truth of what religion really is and so then it's like a lot of people can't really connect with it and see it as like an objective truth because it's just like a part it's just something that's part of your heritage you know like I'm part British like that doesn't you know, that's kind of where they're kind of going at it nowadays, if that makes sense. It's something that's just kind of passed down. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, the fact that something is passed along to you doesn't mean that it's not real, that it do- that it's not objective. You know, it yeah. doesn't mean that it... it yeah, it, I think, we've, I think yeah. you made that point. Oh, did I make that point? Okay. Yeah, I'm not saying... But you're just saying, like, that's where it I'm seems just, to be I'm going. Just, yeah, they're trying to belittle it stating the by same. yeah, yeah. They're they're trying to to belittle the truth by watering it down with all these other truths claims. Yeah, which is the thing about it. Um, 
Do you want to like take a stab at like? I, I'm just gonna read this this little statement yeah. that I wrote. Yeah, yeah. Read your statement. Uh, so I would say so in talking about like what it means to be a Christian uh, or have a Christian worldview. Uh, Christianity as ultimate, you know, we believe that Christianity is the ultimate truth for humanity, morality, and spirituality. Uh, the truths found in Christianity, as revealed through the Bible, which are inspired by God, are the ultimate truths of the world as we know it. <clears throat> and the Bible, which we draw every all of the knowledge that we know about God, um, it's basically an outline of who God is and 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 who we are in relation to him, right? To go a little bit deeper, though, like Christianity at its core, simply stated, is that we believe that Jesus, the Christ, was sent from God as revealed through the Old Testament and then revealed through the story of his life in the New Testament, which simply put the gospel is that he lived a perfect life in harmony with the Father and that he gave his life voluntarily because that's what the Father asked of him he was crucified at the hands of man, that he was buried and put in a grave, and on the third day he rose and went back to heaven and then came back down, revealed himself to his disciples, and that's the seed that was planted, and it continues to, to grow today. So that's, I mean, that's the gospel in a nutshell. That's our truth. Uh, we, you know, we look to the Bible for inspiration to be reminded of what the truth is and who God says we are. So I guess that's... That's what I'd say about Christianity, yeah. just in a nutshell. Um, I know when we state that truth, um, at least in our society, that it's not necessarily met with open arms. And there's a lot of resistance or hatred, for some reason, um, towards the fact that we believe in that Jesus is the one true God. And... and when I hear that I have to kind of that we have all these different truths this is what they're saying but for me to have to accept their truth I'd have to give up my truth and then it's not truth but <laughs> so I don't know I guess my question is is like how do we well there's a couple of different ways to go about that not like how to exist but I think I think the most obvious way is to to live it and that means that you are kind of authentic, right? And Christians aren't perfect by any means. I think we we kind of get that um thrown at us a lot of times where people believe that that our that our duty and our job is to be perfect human beings and to not sin. And now, certainly, our goal is to honor God and to kind of move away the th- from from sinful things in our lives that He calls us away from. But nowhere in, in the Gospels do I see Him saying uh, that you, that I have to be perfect now. Now I'm striving for perfection. I'm being re- renewed and glorified, and I'm you know I'm being sanctified. I'm going through this process of you know as God calls me to to. To bring things out of my life, I lean on Him, and I'm able to do those things through His strength. But I think a lot of times it's it's living the life, it's having empathy for individuals because you know that Christ, Jesus Christ, had empathy for individuals. It's um, making yourself available uh, to help those who need it. Um, 
because that's what Jesus did. I mean, he, he went and ate dinner with sinners. He, he went and associated himself with sinners because he humbled himself, right? It was his ability to, to, to be vulnerable and be available and to love on people who need to be loved on. So I think that that's one, that's kind of the main way, honestly. Um, and that can really only be done by kind of having your own personal relationship, which yeah. you know, involves prayer and, and reading the Bible. Yeah, and, and it's more than just worship. Doing those things, and then you just be like the teacher you talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know uh, with my church, we're doing a, a study of a book by, I believe, J.I. Packer. And it's called Knowing God. And the purpose of the book is to talk more about, like, so we can know the truth. We know what the Bible says. But how do we take that a step further and truly be an act of knowing God? So it's called Knowing God because it's kind of like a progressive relationship you're constantly getting to know him you, you're never gonna fully know him but you know we want to be more than just knowledgeable of him so, what so how do you grow in in that truth yeah. and in and in a right relationship? what's the direction the book kind of takes like what are some things that the book talks about <laughs> as far as talks about a lot of deep things i guess but um Prayer is a big one. I mean, it definitely talks about prayers being one of the big ones. Um, Drawing a blank on it right now, actually, but... Prayer. uh, Worship. It's definitely a big one. I think, for me, it's like when I I, can have the worst day, and, uh, you know, I'm continually praying, you know, and kind of asking God for relief, or just, you know, even if it's like, hey, God, do you see me here? Or, or, you know, <clears throat> but when I, like, go, like, say on a Wednesday, I had a bad day, and I go into church, and during praise and worship, like, that opportunity of, like, the Holy Spirit to minister to me and renew me and make me feel, like, just this, this, this ease and this relief. And I know that I'm not out of the woods, but yeah. I know that I'm not alone. It's kind of this refreshing feeling. Yeah, and you're kind of going beyond... Just praying to God for things you want. Um, I kind of think when I think of prayer, it's not just necessarily praying for, you know, for my house to sell finally or uh, things that I want. Uh, you know, kind of pray for what does God want to like do through me, or how can I serve Him? And sometimes I even just kind of, I'll just be quiet and just listen. Because a lot of times we're like. I pray to God, but he never talks to me. Or, like, are you really listening? Are you really pursuing that relationship? And then when at church for worship, I will stand and sing for the first couple songs. And the last song, I'll, I like to sit down and just kind of soak it all in and just listen. Um, but when it comes to knowing God, it's just going beyond what I want to get out of this relationship with God because you know like when I'm not married but you are and so I don't know if this 
and is a bad analogy or not. But I guess I think of kind of like a relationship with a husband and a wife, you know. If I just, if I have a wife and I just want her to do things for me all the time and I never really try to get to know her or pursue her or um, find out her expectations, you know, truly get to know her as a person. I feel like it's not, if you don't do those things, you're not going to have a really healthy relationship or it's not going to last very long. Um, Dude, and, that's that's very true. Yeah. I would think that you're married by what you're saying. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it's part of my mental health journey, I guess, <laughs> figuring that part out. Um, um I think one thing too, like I just want to kind of flip modes because I, I worry maybe we're taking, are we speaking Christianese right now? <laughs> like, true, are, true. are we speaking as though we're speaking to Christian? So, if we're, t- we're talking about truth. Yeah, I mean, we're speaking to all different angles, hopefully. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Well, I want to speak to the person who thinks maybe what we're saying is, is just it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Like, um, and this is kind of where that old well, Bible used to be me. comes in. Um, and so standing on the truth, right, it, it approaches it from three different lenses. Uh, and the first one is actually historiography or, or studying the historicity of Jesus. Because first of all, I want to establish that uh, Jesus of Nazareth was an actual man who lived and died uh, 2,000 years ago. Because I think some people don't even know that. But his history actually proves that he was, and there's not a very small portion of historians who would try and make an argument that he didn't exist. So I want to kind of go through this. So there are actually, when talking about the historiography of Jesus, we have one, two, three, four, four here, and I know there's more. Uh, and uh, they're actually non-Jewish sources. I think maybe one is actually a Jewish source. But anyways, point being that these are non-Christians noting the the fact that there was a, a man named Jesus. Is one of them Josephus? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. So Tacitus is actually, so he was a Roman historian. And uh, he was under the emperor for, for Nero. Uh, but he actually writes about how, uh, so the sixth day of fire in Rome in 64 A.D., uh, which is actually within the lifetime of the disciples, right? So this was written in 64 AD, uh, about 30 years after his death, but certainly within the time frame in which the the disciples and the apostles who were writing about Jesus were still alive when he wrote this. Uh, but essentially he's, it says, Nero fastened the guilt of the, the six-day fire in Rome on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace, Christus from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of Pontius Pilate uh, and a most mischievous superstition. And right there, we'll talk about that in a second. Thus checked for the moment, again broke out only in Judea, the first source of the evil, but even in Rome. So when he's saying the most mischievous superstition, he's actually referring to the resurrection. So he's noting that that within the time frame of the disciples, so they still would have been alive when he wrote this, that, um, which really the reason I emphasize that is because people think that the, the Gospels perhaps were tampered with or simply that uh, 
that it was made up. Is this all the Da Vinci Code? No, well, I, it's it's kind of just letting you know the Da Vinci Code is completely bogus because if, yeah. you, if you look at the history that like what historians would actually cons- like that that the was not even plausible code. exactly. Um, the mischievous superstition though. So Tacitus notes that there was a man named Jesus who was executed under Pontius Pilate, and that a group of followers were saying that he was resurrected, that he came back from the dead, and and so that's right there. It's noted. Pliny the Younger, he was a Roman governor. Uh, he wrote this in 112 AD. Uh, they were in the, he's speaking about Christians, they were in the habit of meeting on a certain fixed day before it was light, uh, and they'd sing an alternative verse as a hymn to Christ as to a God, and bound themselves by a solemn oath not to any wicked deeds, but never to commit any fraud, theft, or adultery, never to falsify their word, um, nor deny a trust when they should be called upon to deliver it. Um, and then he even notes um, communion here. He says, after which uh, it was their custom to separate and then reassemble to partake of food, but food of an ordinary innocent kind. So he's he's right there addressing communion, saying, well, they're just eating food, but you know, making a note to say, but they're acting like it's not regular food. Um, but... So essentially, so again, we have a non-Jewish, non-Christian writing about it. We have Josephus. I won't even get into Josephus. Um, He's a Jewish historian? He was a Roman Jewish historian, yes. And this was in 93 or 94 AD, which is actually still uh, just myth that had not formed yet. I actually listened to a sermon one time. Someone talked about that, how myth takes about 200 years to form. For things, for facts to be altered, yeah, and right, you know what we have here is things that are being written within sixty years. Of yeah, I know they they've met the death of Christ. Now they talk <clears throat> about like the Iliad and the Odyssey, and how many copies of that they found, and there's like way more versions of the Gospels. Uh, Josephus even talks about how uh, his disciples were giving up their lives. The ba- Babylonian Talmud. So keep it, keep in mind, this was written by Jewish people who absolutely hated Jesus, who would have wanted to squash any, you know, remnants of, of history of him. It says on the eve of the Passover, Yeshua was hanged uh, for forty days before the execution took place. A herald cried, "He is going forth to be stoned because." He has practiced sorcery and enticed Israel to apostasy. So he's practiced sorcery. So the claim that he's he's doing sorcery, which to me sounds like the man was uh, he was performing miracles. Yeah. Um, well, I know he references two different. Um, yes, she was. So there's two things that I take away from all these, and one is that uh, Jesus was a real man that lived. He had followers, and he was crucified. Yeah. So I mean, that's that's history. These are historical. Uh, documents that we're looking at written within the time frame yeah. of Jesus. So when you kind of take those that that he was a real person and was really crucified and we take his message um that he's the way the truth and the life you kind of have to come to the crossroads as well as this if this was a real he was a real person then he's either the messiah or he's crazy yeah actually that goes on and, and talks about c.s lewis yeah because that was what he he says he's he's either he's one of three things a liar a lunatic or he was who he says he was yeah right um and uh do you want to take a look at those three things 
a liar. Yeah, I mean, if you want to break it down that way. Um, well, C.S. Lewis kind of talks about the morals of Jesus, saying that uh, you don't go around preaching good morals, telling people to be the best that they are, um, and have some sort of a lie like this. And also, you you typically won't give up your life for a lie. You typically wouldn't have outstanding morals telling other people to treat others as you treat yourself and then have a, such a such a, um, a huge lie that you would then go and be crucified for, you know? Because he had plenty of opportunity to get out of it, but he chose to, what, continue to lie? I don't, I don't know about you, but if I'm lying, I'm, I'm going to spare my life and tell you the truth eventually if, if the threat is, is death. Yeah. Um and then the lunatic um which he he kind of notes that well a, a lunatic <laughs> he would uh, willingly give up his life for a lie. Uh but CS Lewis c- kind of goes on to say that he was too philosophically sound and overly spiritually endowed to have been crazy. Uh and he he even says he says Hitler was a great leader but stood for extermination. Manson claimed to be God, but was not philosophically or morally sound. So you kind of get, obviously C.S. Lewis didn't give that last example, but it being that you're one or the other, you know, you're either great leader and you're absolutely out of your mind and not morally sound, or, you know, you're just an absolute crazy lunatic who has no um, logical, philosophical reasoning, but you can't contain both. And that's that's kind of why he's saying he, he was a liar, a lunatic, but he was too. So he took the. He was too philosophically sound to be a liar, and and honestly too philosophically sound and morally upright to be a lunatic, which kind of which led to C.S. Lewis to believing that uh, that he was who he says he was, you know. So um, and then too, there's another thing. A lot of people claim that that he never claimed to be God, which uh, if you if you look into the Jewish text, as a modern American reading it in English, he never bluntly says, I am God. But the context... I, mean, I am statements that you're... Exactly. Talking. Thank you. Thank you. So, and I want to tell you, so now, th- thanks for that transition, man. That's <laughs> what I'm here is, for. This is definitely the I'm next the thing I want to talk about. Uh-huh. The I am statement. Um so give you a little bit of background. The I am statement kind of first appears with Moses in the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, when Moses he sees God in a burning bush, and he's pretty much like, God, like, what am I? Okay, great. You want me to deliver the Israelites? Like, what am I going to go tell them? Like, who am I going to tell them sent me? And he, he says, tell them I am who I am, uh, which looking at the I am statement. So to say I am, so God essentially says I am. It is a standalone, it's a self-sufficient, and translated from the Hebrew, it's I am is the ultimate statement of self-sufficiency, self-existence, and immediate presence. So I am translated like to, in Hebrew, you know, it means self-sufficiency, self-existence, and immediate presence. And this is who God claimed to be, that he was self-sufficient, that he needed nobody else. And that he existed apart from anybody else, which 
tying this right back into objective truth, that is objective truth at its core. Because objective truth exists whether anybody is there to acknowledge it or not. So like we think about the math. If there were no humans even alive, math would exist in the universe, would it not? The logics of math, right? The the logics of math would still exist. Whether we discovered it or not, it would still be there, waiting for somebody to just grasp the concept of it. Yeah. So this is that's objective truth. So we we look at the logic of math. It's objective truth because one plus one is always two, right? Whether you or I acknowledge are here to acknowledge it or not, one plus one is always going to be two. Unless we talk about nineteen eighty four. So, um, that's God saying, "I am." He is self sufficient. He needs no one else to acknowledge him. Therefore. He's objective truth. Like he he exists apart from us being there. So where am I going with this? Jesus. He makes seven I am statements in in, in the Gospel of John. Um, I'll, I'll give seven him is the number of completion. Uh, seven is the number of completion. Or is it yeah, three. Uh, uh, it's seven because he made he made everything in seven. Right, he completed yeah. everything in seven days. Three is true. Is true. The Trinity? I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, no, there's always. We're not theologians. We're just here talking. So the seven, seven I am statements that Christ made, which was the one that, that you started with today. Yeah. And uh, John chapter was it 14. Yes. John chapter 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's one. He said, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep to the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am... Uh, the resurrection of the life. I am the vine. So those don't... Oh, and so then also I, when he's with the Pharisees on trial, he says, I am that I am, right? Um, I don't know. I believe so. I see. Well, I'll have to Wikipedia that later. But, but where I'm going with this is that any Jewish person in that time for him to have said, I am the bread of life, I am the way, I am the truth, right? He, It was very obvious to them what he was saying. In fact, when he says, uh, after he had, he had fed the multitudes and then they came back and they wanted their miracle and he begins to tell them, you guys are kind of silly, like when Moses cried out to heaven and God made manna fall down, like you guys are, you guys are essentially, you're praising Moses for the for the fact that God gave you the miracle, well, I'm the manna. Like, I am the miracle. You know, I am the thing that you're looking for. And in that moment, they realized that he was saying he was God because he's, you know, he's saying, I'm the bread of life. And they picked up stones to stone him because they realized that in that moment, he was claiming to be God and that angered them very much. And that's the reason he didn't just say, hey, guys, I'm God. is because, one, are you really going to take someone serious who just bluntly says that no jesus christ walked the walk talked the talk he lived it out and those who were close enough to see it who who god opened their eyes to see it who god gave them the grace to see it began to believe in him and began to believe that he was the messiah and that he truly was the miracle that he was sent from god and that to know him would be to know god 
So it was very obvious to them who he was saying he was at the time. So, you know, he didn't bluntly say, I am God, but he, he very much so implied it through, um, honestly, through Scripture, uh, using the Old Testament of who God said he was, and then he applied it to himself. Yeah. So um, that's, that's why I, to, it makes more sense for me to be a Christian um, because I have had that encounter with God uh, because he has spoke to me. He has interjected himself in my life. And I thank God that I did have a Christian background because it, 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 it clicked when it clicked, you know, when, when God spoke into my life, all of a sudden it was like, wow, he is real. Um, but even for those who don't have a Christian upbringing, um, God is still speaking. Uh, God is still you know, using his children to show himself to this world because that's what being a Christian is all about, is being the same light that Christ claimed to be, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we start wrapping up, and I think we covered a lot of stuff. Hopefully anyone's listening, whether you're a Christian or not, you have a new perspective to what it means for us as Christians to believe that Jesus is the truth and the only truth. And we're not saying it in a way that is like hateful or meant to break, to make you feel less of a person because you don't believe that yet or don't understand it. It's just what we believe and if we, to me, if we deny that belief, yeah, then we aren't truly followers of Christ. Yeah, then we're denying the truth. Yeah, and then and, I think Jesus talks about what happens if we, yeah, we yeah. deny him. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, I think uh, last time you implied that I should pray this time. Yeah, I just want to. So I want to. Yeah. I want to end with one question. So oh, a question with a question. Um, Jesus, so his disciples are constantly questioning him about who he is because they kind of think he's the Messiah. I think they're really rooting for him to be the Messiah. They wanted to be the Messiah, and he kind of flips it around on them, and he asks them, "Who do you say I am?" So you know what I mean. Like I can give you all this evidence of of who. I believe Jesus is, um, but ultimately what matters is who you believe Jesus is. And I think the best way to answer that is is probably to you know start with the Gospels and just have an investigative mind. Go into it thinking, I want to know who he is, because yeah. I guarantee you— But in you, a relations, relational pursuit, not just yeah. knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I believe God will, will truly speak to your heart and reveal who he is to you. So, okay. Well, that's your question for next week. Just kidding. Well, so this said that it's our last face-to-face podcast. I mean, I guess we'll still be face-to-face, but not physically face-to-face. Um, I believe last time you kind of implied that I should pray this time. So I will close this out and with a prayer 
as eloquent as I can. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, dear God, just want to thank you for allowing us to have the opportunity to um, create a platform where we can just talk about issues that we've personally struggled with or topics we struggle with. And because we know there's other people out there that are struggling with these same things. And we just want to be here with them and kind of talk through what what they're going through and try to allow a true Christian perspective on how we can cope with the, these tough times. And if there's anybody out there that's struggling, um, just pray that you find someone to someone or a, a resource to reach out to and get help. And I just also thank you for the opportunity to do this podcast with John and this ministry and just everything you're doing and just continue to bless it so that we can continue to help others. In Jesus' name, amen.